hello and welcome back to another episode of the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, very good, man. It's um, We've got to that stage, haven't we? It's been... Um, feels like everything's hit us at once. <laughs> season's finished. Um, yeah, suddenly getting fears of... Uh, you know, how am I going to fill my time? Am I just going to be looking at the new shirts being released and like transfer gossip? Is is that my, is that my summer? <laughs> do you, um, uh, do you look forward to the, the break in the season or do you dread it, Barney? Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't really like it. I, I, there's, yeah, I don't know what to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like some old games perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, man, I really enjoyed uh, yesterday. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to talk about how are you doing. I'm very, very good. Yes, very good. Although, as same as you, a little bit sad, a little bit trepidation about at the end of the season. Um, because, of course, we're recording this on Sunday. Yesterday uh, was the last day of the Primera Liga for the 2022-23 season. It's pretty incredible, Barney. I know I say this every time a season ends, but... I, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe it's over after all this time, after all these games. You know, a football season, when you start it, it just feels like it's never going to end. It feels like this long and never-ending journey. But, of course, the time does come when it's all over. That time has reached us. And, uh, yes, Saturday evening was an interesting one. We knew Benfica had to win against uh, already relegated Santa Clara to clinch the title. They did so without any problems. 3-0, very comfortable victory. It feels like they could have won it for the last few weeks. They left it to the last weekend, which I think I didn't expect. I expected them to wrap up a bit sooner, but they got the job done in the end. And uh, listen, what can we say that hasn't already been said? It was a it's a thoroughly deserved title. Um, they've been fantastic. Yeah, it was um it was a good 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 game for them as well. You know, they got the first goal. You know, but I was perhaps hopeful of some twists and turns as as throughout the ninety minutes. You know, with Porto playing at the same time and. And um, also, having seen how the Bundesliga panned out on the same day, you know there was uh, there was a little possibility there. But as soon as Benfica got that first goal, um, there was only ever going to be one result, and they they played out the game really comfortably. I think they, you know, they're just just um, yes, yeah, a really professional performance, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought the scenes at the end were like brilliant. Um, the, the the stadium was amazing. The the singing, the noise that 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 crowd made. Um, we were having a little joke beforehand about the pyrotechnics because we we're just <laughs> I think that's been they've been banned and I was just saying it'd be funny if the the league in a in a few days just said, Oh, by the way, you deducted a few points for the amount <laughs> I mean you say funny, Barney. I'm not sure how many people would be laughing. It would just be classic Portuguese league. Well they they probably do it in like a year's time, won't they? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um... I loved I loved the celebrations as well. It was a great atmosphere in the stadium. It was a really good atmosphere in the stadium. And I, I again I'll say it every year. I love the way they do it in Portugal when a team wins the league, where it's like, right, game finishes 8-15, straight out that night, you know, no messing, no waiting around. You know, in England, like the t- a team will win the league on a on a Saturday afternoon and then they'll do an open top bus parade on the Monday or something like that. In Portugal, it's like, nope, game's finished. The bus is waiting outside. Off we go, lads, down to the centre of Lisbon. Um, it went on, you know, it goes on until the early hours of the morning. I still remember when, I think when Sporting won the league, their game finished even later. Like, the game finished at, like, 10.15. And then they were straight out, and, it, and celebrations went on all night. And 
it's exactly what happened this time um a few things that I loved, Barney. One, the sunglasses are back. So yeah. glad that that's carrying on. Long may that continue. Um, the the highlight of the celebrations for me, Barney, has to be David Nerez, who has always struck me as quite a calm character, right? Quite a kind of laid back guy. You know, doesn't seem to get very like stressed out. Do you know what I mean, right? Anyway, <laughs> in his own open top bus celebration. His first four, right, when he's celebrating his own team's win, he starts his own Instagram live and is tagging Otavio and Pedro Gonzalez on Instagram as if to say, look, guys, look where I am. I loved it. The pettiness was unreal. I've got so much time for that, mate. I mean, I just like <laughs> the way he was going about those celebrations. He was just having the time of his life, man. I want to be like that when I'm partying. Like, just... <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah. man. Fantastic. I like the little back and forth between him and Otavio as well. That was, yeah, that was yeah. quite Don't nice. mind it. Don't mind it at all. I love being that much of a hater that when you win the league, your first thing is just <laughs> take your arrivals on an Instagram live. So good. Um, well, look, massive, massive congratulations to Benfica, to the players, to the staff, most importantly to the fans and to all of the uh, Benfica Easter listeners that I know we have all over the world. A big congratulations to you guys. I mean, it, like I said, it came down onto the last day, which maybe they could have wrapped it up sooner, but I don't think there was any doubt who was going to win this title. It was thoroughly deserved. The best team in the league won it this season. Um, and we're going to come on to talk a bit more in depth about their season, but not only Benfica, because this is a very special episode. This is the start of our end of season content. Anyone who's followed the podcast for the last two series will know we go hard on the end of season. So this episode is going to be a marathon roundup of every single team from the Premier League this season. That's right. We're going from one to 18. We're going to have a quick chat about how every team has done and perhaps what they can expect from next season. And then next week it gets even bigger. We're going to do our massive three-part end-of-season award show, team of the season, and listener Q&A. So sit back. I hope you've got a little iced tea, maybe a a, a little Superbuck in hand. Who knows? A Chagres in honour of Benfica. This could be a long one, but we hope you enjoy it. Um, before we get started, just as always to say, if you've enjoyed the content this season, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you want to give us a little bit of support, a review on Apple Podcasts would be a big help. A star rating on Spotify, sending the podcast to your mates who you think might enjoy it. And of course, if you really want to get involved, our Patreon is still open. You can become a long ball football socio for just one pound a month. Uh, and all of that stuff really helps us. If you've enjoyed listening this season and, and you thought, oh, maybe I'll do it next week, make sure this is the week that you do it. Well, look, let's get straight into it, Barney. We're going to run through the table from top to bottom. Let's start with Benfica, of course. Their first title in four years. They finished the season with 87 points, 28 wins, three draws, three losses, 82 goals scored, 20 conceded that's a goal difference of plus 62 they led the league from the fourth week and never looked back they never dropped into second place once i think we can say it was a thoroughly thoroughly deserved title oh completely yeah it was um perhaps the uh, the little blip towards the end of the season um and sort of recency bias makes you sort of think it was a a little bit of a struggle for them to get over the line but when you look back at the season as a whole 
and the job they did, the results they 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 pulled in, it was a it was a really dominant display this season. And um, for me, I'm not going to look any further than Roger Smith and and, and that sort of the signing of him. Um, Rui Costa made sure he was in quite quickly. Obviously, uh, Roger Smith's contract with PSV ran out, and uh, Costa signed him up. And uh, it gave him the summer, gave him the the transfer window, and he's brought a breath of fresh air to this Benfica team who have been stagnant. They've had issues on and off the pitch for a little while now, and he came in with just a yeah a, a clean slate and and got them firing. I mean, the football he brought in, you know, it's fast pace, it's positive. They like to counter attack when they can quickly, and we said that the derby games in this league. Oh, what win you titles, right? But I think Schmidt has looked at it differently and demanded a consistency and an energy in every game this season, be that against Santa Clara League or against PSG in the Champions League. You know, I remember around some of those Champions League games, he was talking about that. You know, he always demands the same intensity, and you, you saw that. Like you know, they were they were just winning and winning and winning some big wins as well. And even to look at the Champions League, their first loss in that competition came in the, the first leg quarter final was against Inter Milan. That was, you know, that was the first loss of that tournament. They were so prolific. Um, and I think that's down to that man. You know, he's he's really, really turned things around for, for Benfica. I was going to ask you at one point, Barney, what you think has changed this season compared to the last few, but I think you've already answered it in, in Roger Smith. I think he is he will be Benfica's best signing for years and I think you know it was interesting that they went for a a foreign manager something they hadn't done for a little while I think that was the big change because you know you compare him to George Jesus and, and, and George Jesus is a undeniably fantastic manager one of Portugal's most successful ever managers but he's he's not only shackled by the kind of the, the the baggage that comes with with Portuguese football, he almost defines it. He almost wrote a book on what Portuguese football is today, with all its kind of idiosyncrasies and all its imperfections. Whereas Roger Schmidt comes in completely as an outsider, and I think he brought, I think he brought a, a level of professionalism to the league that I don't think, in the nicest possible way, the top Portuguese managers do. When you compare him to Sergio Conceição, he doesn't have Conceição's temper, he doesn't have his temperament, he doesn't have his uh, ability to fly off the handle. Even Amarim has that a little bit, you know, he has that ability to get sucked into um, the drama. I only remember one time when Roger Schmidt got sucked into the the drama of, of Portugal. I think that was that away at Vizela when he stuck two fingers, middle fingers up to the fans. Um, that was a bit of a blip. But I think he brought in, like I said, a professionalism and a ruthlessness and, and, and standards that I think hiring an internal manager wouldn't have brought in so I think you know he is the biggest reason and I think we have to give great credit to to Rui Costa who's who a lot of people thought would just be the kind of the same as Louis Philippe Vieira maybe his disciple would just do the same things but he's gone about things differently and I think they both together brought about great success for Benfica because the one thing that we always say is Benfica have unmatched resources in this country unmatched budgets, unmatched ability to to sign the best players. But it's one thing to have those resources and it's another thing to use them properly. Benfica haven't used those resources properly in many years and now finally they've got a manager and a president who are able to use those resources 
properly. So I think it's a very exciting time for for Benfica fans. When you look at how they performed recently, Barney, last season they finished on 74 points. The season before that, they had 76. The season before that, they had 77. They finished this season with 87. That's exactly the same points. Not only that, exactly the same wins, draws and losses as 2019, the last time they won the league. The difference being in that season, they scored 103 goals, which is quite incredible. Um, the thing that I think should excite Benfica fans is that I think there's more to come from this team. I think that squad can improve. I think there's one or two players you could trim off and bring in better replacements. That would mean better squad depth. I think there's still exciting young players to come through. So I think, you know, the not only do Benfica fans have this season to enjoy, but like I said, with that combination of the president, the manager, the impossible improvements to the squad, I think this could be a very fruitful period uh, for Benfica. I think one of the best things that's come about that relationship with um, yeah. Rui Costa and Roger Smith has been the the transfer business, but also the the use of the, the youth team, right? Because there's been some, in my opinion, some quite blatant Schmidt signings. You know, you look at um, Childerup, um, Tengstead as well, but, but who although haven't played that much. You know, I think there were players that he would have seen in his time in in Holland and then been thinking about further a few years perhaps but Ausnes is the key one right who I think he came from the Dutch seed where Schmidt had been managing previously and has instantly come in and just made a huge difference to that midfield played so many positions you know right back defensive mid left wing um, a, a real trusted player for Schmidt and he, he's used him when he when he needs him uh, really well but also you know perhaps the best thing in my opinion about this season was the the way the young players have been brought through under Roger Smith, you know, which we haven't seen like standout Benfica players come through the youth ranks in a little while in a few seasons. But Antonio Silva for me, obviously Jao Neves towards the end of the year, but Antonio Silva just had an incredible year. Um, you know, didn't start the first two games. Um, I think he came in for Mendy and played alongside Morato against uh, Boa Vista. And, you know, that was enough. He, he, he's, had, he's been in the team ever since. And, you know, we shouldn't forget they've had the likes of, um, they brought in Brooks, the uh, experienced American centre-back who've been playing in the Bundesliga. He ended up going away because Schmidt was like, well, look, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. Rissima as well, who was so good last season, but obviously suffered from injury and hasn't been able to get back in the team. He's now rumoured of leaving. Um, I, and, you know, what my point my point there, like, you know, not just Antonio Silva, but the way the squad's been managed, you know, they had cover, they had options if they needed it. But, you know, Schmidt was able to just work out what players he needed and what players worked for him and use that. And 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 if there were injuries, there was cover. You know, there's good there's good quality all across that pitch. So I think, yeah, for me it's it's been those 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 tweaks to the squad that Schmidt and Rui Costa have done and uh yeah, it's just transformed them. Before we move on to Porter Barney, let's just talk about players and the top performers for Benfica this season. When you know, there's so many players that you could pick out, but the top, top performers from Benfica this season that I wanted to mention were just, of course, Frederick Alzenes, who I think has been amazing in midfield, Antonio Silva, the revelation at centre-back, but also, you know, Otamendi alongside him, who's been excellent again. Grimaldo, who's had one of his best seasons in a Benfica shirt. Joao Mario, who was almost the league's top scorer from centre midfield. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos, the same, who had a great season up front. Uh, Rafa. David Neres, you know, there's a lot of players that you could pick from. If I had to put you on the spot and pick one, who would you go for? Oh, that's a horrible question. Mm. I, 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 do you know what? I was, I'd probably stick in Jao Mario because I think, I know he has, he's had a slightly poor end to the season, 
but I think the the way he for the majority of the season he played uh the the sort of the role he played in that team you know like playing as as a, a winger but not an out and out winger because of his um ability on the ball and his passing and also his defensive understanding you know he, I think he was a huge player for Schmidt's system um in in particular and and obviously his goals were um so useful in the in you know around winter and that time it was uh, yeah I think he's I I just think I could easily write him off because of his poor end of the season but he was mm. phenomenal during at the start yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I'll, I'll stick with that, Joao Mario. I think when it comes to picking, you know, your team of the season, your best players of the season, it's so hard to avoid recency bias, like you say. So I think it's important to remember just how incredible Joao Mario was, uh, scoring goals for fun. A lot of them were penalties, but looks, you got to be a leader to step up and take a penalty for your team. Uh, and I think not only was he a, a great player contributing goals, but he was a leader, and he was really the kind of uh, the symbol of that team when they were at their best. Um, right, well, look, let's look at second place then, Barney, the position nobody wants to finish. Porto, who ended the season with 85 points, 27 wins, four draws and three losses. Now, they lost the league by two points at the end. Only one less win and one more draw than Benfica, and they would have had exactly the same points and exactly the same win record. Now, they might look back at games like... Nil-nil against Casapia back in January, where they had nine shots on target and Casapia had zero and they still couldn't get a win. They might look back at games like losing to Gil Vicente, where they had two players sent off and what a turning point that was and they couldn't get back into the game. You know, there are there are one or two games in the season for Porto where you think small margins could have made a big, big difference to the outcome of their season. I suppose what I'm I'm getting at is that for a long time, we talked about them being, you know, 10 points adrift of Benfica, you know, in Benfica's shadow. But by the end of the season, it was much closer than 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 what that sounds. And I think it shows, you know, that in this league, the small results can make a big difference to a season. And, and maybe, you know, they weren't so far off as we thought. No, no, they did really well to sort of make Benfica wait till the end. I mean, you're talking about those little results that might, you know, I was looking at the, the start of the season now, they, they dropped points against poor teams, right? They they lost to Rio Ave, Drew of Estrell and Santa yeah. Clara. And that was, that was all sort of within uh, quite a close amount of time, you know. Um, mm. And I think at that point, you you know, Conchacel really did seem to, I don't know if it was Noah's best team. You saw players, players like Bruno Costa come into the midfield, I, I perhaps feel like Grugic wasn't trusted as much as Stakio as well. At that point, it, it really felt like he he was struggling to find the best combination of players. I also think, you know, they, they weren't sure about the wingers as well. Galena sometimes played Otavio, sometimes played out wide or in the middle. It was, it was, there was a mixture, few things going on there. And I think that's what really stuttered them, really. That, that him, you know, not being able to work it out as quickly as he perhaps usually does. And and, and to be fair, you know, I think this is a, a worse squad than last year that won the league. You know, there were obviously the key departures to the likes of Vitinho and Fabio Vieira, who very much allowed Contrasal to play a much more front foot style of play. Uh, football, you know, he was a lot more attacking, uh, much more comfortable on the ball. The squad he's got this season, haven't been able to play like that. And he's really had to, to change things. And I think... That yeah, that that ultimately is what cost them uh, at the start of the season is where I'm looking at. Yeah, I think that I had that same impression. It was they just had one or two players less quality than perhaps they've had 
in recent seasons. And in a way, I think that means Contrasal deserves a lot of credit because he was able to amass, and his team were able to amass a, a really strong points tally. I mean, you know, let's not forget, I look back at some of their recent seasons, Brian, they won the league in 2020 with 82 points. They came second this season with 85. You know, they've only lost three games all season. So they've done very well with a, a lesser squad than they had last season up against a Benfica team who were absolutely on top of their game with a much better team. A much better starting eleven, definitely. Um, so I think you know credit to them because even the end of the season, like I said, they managed to reduce the the gap between themselves and Benfica from ten to two points. So they gave it a really good go, but they were second best this season. I think for me, they were the second best team in the league, and they finished in second. And I don't think they can really have too many compl- complaints. I think I'm obviously sort of try and nail down one particular transfer or or think or lack of transfer that sort of let them down the season now but it would be David Carmo and I think at the time we all thought it was a fantastic mm-hmm. signing 20 million like a, a record for a transfer fee between two Portuguese clubs but the fact that they did that and conscious it didn't work with Carmo and conscious self for whatever reason I don't know if conscious ever wants him you know seeing what's happened this season and the fact that Carmo was relegated to the B team played so much so little football but the fact that that happened and, and they weren't able to use, you know, if they spent 20 million on a midfielder, say, trying to replace Vitinha, how different the season could have been in, in terms of sort of uh, having a, that, that that extra level they could go perhaps in, in in a key area of the pitch, which I think is arguably potentially their weakest part of the pitch is that midfield area. So, yeah, if I was looking at transfers, that would be, I think, is is the real perhaps the, the key issue for this season. Let's have a little look at their players in Barney, their top performers. I've picked out a list of players that I think have been some of their best ones. You might disagree. I've gone for Mediterranean, of course, worth remembering. The league's top scorer of 21 goals. Um, Otavio, again, considered, continues to be one of the best players that this league has to offer. Pep, as centre-back, another fantastic season. I can't remember him ever putting a foot wrong. Diogo Costa in goal uh, and Eustachio. I think if I was going to go for a player of the season... For Porto, I think I probably would go for Otavio over Mediterranean, despite the goals tally. I think, you know, he was playing at a high level despite his team's struggles. You know, he didn't have the same quality around him in midfield. Uh, and I think he was, for me, their standout player. I, I completely agree with that. And I think the thing, the key thing about Otavio, as I mentioned a little earlier about the Montessor's dilemma about his midfield, obviously play with wide midfielders or central midfielders. Otavio's that player who can play in any of those positions. And he very much did, and was like you said, just a constant, uh, outstanding performer. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing. And you know what, Albert, on Otavio quickly, I definitely think there's something in the fact that he, um, uh, was called up to the Portuguese national team. I think that you know, and got, and got to that World Cup. I think that gave him a, a, a lease of confidence that uh, was taking his game to another level because he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. Mm. Well, let's go down to third place and talk about Braga, who finished in a Champions League qualifications spot for the first time in quite a few years. This was a record-breaking season for Braga. I'm not sure if people know these stats already. It was their most points ever in a Primera Liga season. They finished with 78 points. It was their most wins in a Primera Liga season. They had 25 wins. And it was their most goals scored in a Primera Liga season with 107 goals scored. Over the last four seasons, Barney, before this, they averaged 64 points per season. 
This is 14 more points than that. They drew 3-3 with with Sporting on the first game of the season and they won their next two to get into the top three and they haven't left the top three since that moment. They flirted with second place a little bit, but at the end of the day, a Champions League qualification place in third is a phenomenal achievement for this team. Yeah, they've been exemplary all season and it's 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 for an inexperienced squad to break this that they have to break into the top three is a huge achievement. And I was look, I re, uh, listening to Arthur George at the end of the season and he sort of said, you know, breaking into the top three was always the plan, but they, they didn't talk about it too much. And I think that's, you know, ob- that's, that's partly obvious, right? Because that, that's surely always Braga's target is, to, is to, to break that barrier. But the way you describe it, you know, let's not talk about it too much. It, for me, that sort of shows a... Shows he was trying to take the pressure off this this squad, and the the players they've brought in, you know, the likes of Victor Gomez, Nia Kate, Rasic, um, even Banzas to some extent. You know, these are players who, perhaps coming from different leagues, won't won't feel that you know they won't know the history. Well, they they might do, but the the history of Braga not being the the little one out of the big three. Um, it's not going to be ingrained in their mind. You know, there's, there'll be a sort of a, a lack of pressure on some of those players. And I think we really saw that, you know, particularly Gomez and Niakate, they were so good in defence. Um, and yeah, they they just run with it and they, they kept going, didn't they? And they, they've been playing really good, positive football. They've actually scored more goals than Porto and Sporting. You know, they, 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 there's been goals throughout that team. Obviously, keeping Ricardo Horta was a, a huge moment for them. And um, yeah, they've been... One of my favorite teams to watch this season, Albert. I think there's they've there's been such a positivity around this club, and and then uh, Arthur George is at the helm, and 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 I think he's brought that through. You know, they've, they've been really really good. Arthur George is at the wheel, indeed. Um, I'm interested what you think their team is going to look like next season. You know, are they going to lose big players? Are they going to keep the manager? Can they build on what they've achieved this season, basically? And I think they're in a really good position to do so. I think. Most of their big players are still under contract. I can't think of there really being a big sale. You know, Ricardo Horta's tied down to to a new deal and he'll want to play in the Champions League for the for the club that he loves. I think Nyakate, who signed on loan, I think they've got a relatively cheap option to buy him, which they will take. The only one I can think of is, is Brumer, who I think is only on loan. I don't know whether he has an option and he's been really excellent. I don't think Arthur George is exactly going to get taken by... By a bigger club, you know, Benfica don't need a new manager and I can't see him going abroad. So I think Braga in a really good position. You know, they keep the core of that squad together. They add one or two players of quality. They, if they have a good run at the Champions League qualification and make it to the group stage, you know, this is a team that could be in a really healthy position. So I think almost out of nowhere, that suddenly Braga have got a lot to be excited about. You know, we spoke about it at the beginning of the season, but I mean, next week for our listeners, definitely tune in because we're going to react to some of our predictions. I think we said something along the lines of, or I did, that Braga have never looked less likely of, of cracking the top three. And yet here we are with egg on our face because they've done exactly that. Um, and I think there's a lot to be excited about for Braga. Um, just to end on their top players, Barney, I picked out Nyakate, Victor Gomez, the right back, Ali Armazrati, again, excellent. Ricardo Horta, Broom and Abel Ruiz. I don't think there's anyone you can give player of the season to other than Ricardo Horta, surely the captain, the talisman. 
I was the only one who came close to me was Yuri Medeiros, who I think mm. is is a real similar to Ricardo Horst. You know, he's he's a player of experience in this league. He, you know, he's not some young, uh, flourishing talent. This guy's been around the block, but the 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 consistency he's shown this season and and, and the goals and assists he's chipped in with, he's been a huge player for them. So yeah, but be, I think Ricardo Horta tips it, but a big shout out for Yuri Medeiros, who's had a, a fantastic campaign. I just want to ask you one question about Braga, and, and this sort of ties in nicely with the, the team we're going to talk about next. I, w- I wanted to ask you, if Arthur George and Ruben Amarin swapped jobs, mm. who would do a better, you know, would Arthur George do a best job of sporting than Ruben Amarin has? That's a fascinating question. I don't think you could do a better job than what Arthur George has done. But that mm. doesn't mean I necessarily think Ruben Amarin is a worse manager than Arthur George, if that makes sense. I think Arthur George probably got the best out of the team that that pretty much any manager could, or at least I don't think I don't think there's some magic key that Ruben Amarim would have unlocked that um, Arthur George didn't unlock. And Arthur George at Sporting, well, look, who knows? Maybe he would have done a slightly better job than Amarim because they they weren't perfect this season. But that speculation, I think this is probably a much more boring answer than than you uh, <laughs> hoped for. But I think it possibly would have been largely similar. To be honest, what do you think though? Personally, I think Arthur George might have done a better job at sports. I think the point of my question out of that of Albert is to sort of really put into people because he's not some hot young thing. I think it, in terms of level and what we've seen this season, and you know, they got to be almost some parallels in, in what they delivered, right? And I think, I think the point of my question there was to sort of yeah, really say that Arthur George is at this level. He's at the top tier level with what he's the job he's done this season. And the football he's got Braga playing, the, the 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 team he's assembled, yeah, I think he's he's absolutely fantastic, and you know should be in some you know big conversations about managers in this league. Absolutely. Well, look, let's talk about that team, Nambani and Sporting. who finished in fourth place with seventy four points. They got that from twenty three wins, five draws, and six losses. They'll be playing Europa League football next season, perhaps. On another season, if Braga had been less good, they could have got third place with 74 points. But as it was with this season, I think they got punished for for being, and the word I've chosen, Bonnie, is, is inconsistent. Yeah, that's a, that's one way of putting it, Albert. Yeah. Like it's, it's 11 points in the last season. And I think their inconsistencies for me have, have, have been at the back. Because it interesting is they, they scored more goals than they than when they were champions, you know, they scored 71 goals this season, but they've only scored 65 when they were champions. Um, but they conceded nine more goals than last season. And that's a real key area. You know, they've really had their defensive issues be that, you know, there's a few reasons for that. I think there's the uh, injuries to said just um, obviously the, 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 the signing of Diamonde coming in January sort of helped them defensively as Sebastian Quartas has had a, a rapid decline. But I think the most damning statistic about all this, Albert, is Sporting are one of five teams this season to have conceded more goals than their expected goals against. Um, and Bovista and the bottom three are the only other teams in this league to have done that. And I think what that shows us is the the errors and the sloppiness, you know, that 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 that, that we saw a few times this season, be that Adnan in goal, people on the defensive line, you know, they, they've they've been sloppy at, at, at quite important moments throughout the season. That's really stuttered their momentum and abilities to build up any form. The, the, the most, in, I think the most interesting thing I've seen, Albert, is that Ruben Amarin has said 
that they were a better team this season than they when they when they were champions. And I'm not sure that's in reference to the fact they've scored more goals. I'm not sure that's in reference to some of the quality of players they had. In the likes of Trincao, Pedro Gonzalez has found his form again. Marcus Edwards has looked decent. Ugarte, of course, you know. It's an interesting comment to make. I I, I don't think I agree with it, but um, yeah, they they they. It's I think it sort of highlights the the different the, the the change in dynamic this team has gone through over the past few seasons. You know, they they it, it's completely morphed into something a little bit different. I think you've been very kind to Amram now. I think that's a deluded comment to make. There is no way in a million years they were better than when they won the league. I don't know what he's talking about. I think you've summed it up with with one statistic: eleven points less than last season. You know, I think that's a, that's a, tells you everything you need to know. You know, I, you know, this season, Barney, outside of the top four, they've dropped points against Aruka twice. They dropped points against Gil Vicente, Maritimo, Bovista, and Chavez, as well as not having a particularly good record against other teams in the top four. They've been far too inconsistent. I think players that they relied on in previous seasons don't look as good. They obviously lost key players like Pedro Porro and Mateus Nunes. Um, and I think in it all round, they're in much worse shape than they have been for the last few years. So I really don't understand what Amarim is 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 getting at with those comments. That said, there has been some positives. I think some of their signings have been good. Diamande looks like a very, very good uh centre back. Ogate had an unbelievable season. You know, he managed to stand out in a team that wasn't always perfect. And Pedro Gonçalves as well had another excellent season, you know, to kind of keep proving that he wasn't just a one-season wonder. I think that's a third season where his total goal contributions has been above 20 goal contributions with goals and assists combined. So there are positives, but really this is not a sporting team that looks as good as it has done in the last few years, definitely. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, we've really seen Ruben Amarin have his toughest period as a sport as a sporting manager this year and I think that's a few factors that have actually been out of his hands you know I, I saw some comments he made about the the, the selling of the uh, Mateus Nunes to Wolves uh, right at the end of the transfer window he said he found that very hard to process and, and deal with you know because I think that sort of showed he wasn't he, he felt like they hadn't adequately replaced him and, and I think that that's true I know and then you can even look to the January window when they saw Pedro Porro as well you know that's not a great time to, to lose a such a key player uh, to your team, and so what we've seen with Ruben Amin, and let's not forget this is only his third season as a as a a, a manager. You know, he's a very very much new up and coming manager. We've really seen him have a have a tough season, navigate the the ways that you you, you build relationships with the those are higher higher up, and and also the relationships you build with a a young team and and, and different players. And I think at times he's he's let sporting down with some of his uh tactics being the 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 the, the, the stubbornness of going with the same tactic um uh, playing players out of position perhaps like a pet amount of time Pedro Gonzalez has played midfield etc but we've also got to remember you know he after those those good moments and I think you know that there's in big games they've done pretty well and I and uh, I think that that that's credit to him uh, and his management. But yeah, it's been a tough year for him. Just quickly then, Barney, in terms of their top players, I think it's out of Ugarte, Diomandre, Pedro Gonçalves. I know who I'm going to pick, but I'll let you go first. Oh, I absolutely love the Monday, but I think it's got to be Pedro Gonçalves. You know, 
played a, a, an attack or in midfield, he, he's, he's contributed and he's had a, a great season that's put him right back at the top of, you know, one of the best players in this league. Interesting. I would have gone to Garte. I think. I mean, he's, he's been uh, fantastic as well. Yeah, I think he's looked like. Uh, I think he's looked world class in that team. To be honest, and he looks a little bit better than all the other players. But uh, yeah, in general, for Sporting, you know, obviously a very tough season. I think, you know, the Europa League campaign was pretty good. You know, he got that win against Arsenal was fantastic. And with all seriousness, I think that it's a competition that they can have probably good success in next year but work to do in the transfer market and it will be it will be fascinating to see how they line up on the yeah, first game of next season.